Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. standing so we can approach the throne of the king this morning father god we want to start this service off with a prayer and especially a prayer of gratitude these baptism services lord are some of my favorite because it's a wonderful reminder that despite especially now despite what the world would have us think your spirit is still here and it's still moving it's still redeeming it's still saving and changing lives. And for that, we're forever grateful, Lord. We thank you that you love us that much. And this morning, as we see these people give their life to you, we pray that that same spirit would be present upon us this morning, that you would come down and infect and change not only the hearts of those who don't know you, Lord, but the hearts of the people that do. Search in us any impure way that we may have this morning. And let this praise that comes out of us this morning be honest and real, full of gratitude and thanksgiving to you. So we invite you here this morning and just hang out with us. And we thank you for the opportunity that you gave us that we can just hang out with you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Spirit, come move over us. Come rest. 
that you would just continue to do a work in our hearts today. Every note that's played, every song that's sung, every word that's said will just be anointed by you and that you would touch our hearts today and change us forever. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated.
You're gonna do great, Caleb. You got this. Yeah, you know, you'd think, but do you see the look on his face? I mean, I, I've definitely got the advantage, right? I mean, look at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, you know, they do say uh, big things come in small packages. Yeah, know? she's right. I know. Uh -huh. do, do we know what today's challenge is? It's called Dizzy Izzy. <gasps> I oh, hate that yikes. one. What? I said you're gonna do great at that one. Oh, yeah. Oh. You're gonna do so good. Hey, you got this. All right, for you. let's do it. Yeah. Better him than you us. Can you can do it. Are you ready for this, buddy? What's the matter, cat got your tongue? Gentlemen, are you ready for the first challenge? Does this answer your question? Ah, not really. Um, Garen, are you ready? Yep. Caleb, are you, are you ready? Yes. Gentlemen, start your spinning. The Zaza Tribe wins. Yeah! Wow, that was a blowout. Bailey, it's okay, Caleb. You did your best. I, I just don't get it. I mean, I was taller than him, bigger than him, stronger than him. I'm even more good looking than him. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say you're more good looking. Marta, he's already down. I know, look at him, poor thing. Good job, buddy. Yeah, you too, kid. I guess I just wasn't up for the challenge. Good morning, everyone. I'm Roberta, and I want to welcome you to church. Thank you so much for worshiping with us online. And if this is your first time joining with us virtually, we want to know about it. All you have to do is select the I'm new here option that should pop up on your screen any moment, or you can click the I'm new here button over on the app. We want to meet with you, connect with you, get to know you, and welcome you properly. So let us know you're new here, and we even have a small gift for you. And you might be asking, Roberta, what is this app you're talking about? I encourage you to get the NAS app. Super simple. Go to the nas.church slash app. And the app is a great resource and tool for you to use all throughout the week and to prepare for Sunday morning services. So make sure you check out the NAS app. Another awesome thing that you can do through the NAS app is give. Make sure you check out all the various different ways that you can give back to God. Ministry can happen here at the church because of your generosity. So again, make sure you check out all the different ways that are available for you to make an impact, for the church to be able to continue to see lives changed and impacted through your giving, through your tithes, and through your offering. Now I wanna take just a minute to tell you a little bit about what's happening in the life of our church. And we have something really exciting coming up, Camp Naz VBS. We're super pumped. And this can happen every year because of your giving and because of your generosity. Things like this, outreach to our community, to reach kids and families, happen because you give. People are donating right now. They're donating items to make VBS week possible. And it's all because of you and your support. And so if you wanna get involved, there's still plenty of time. You can sign up to volunteer. You can drop off a donation. And of course, you can register your kiddos for Camp Naz VBS coming up on June 13th 
to the 16th, you can learn more at the Church slash VBS. No matter what your next step is, make sure your first step is forward. Forward is a great opportunity for you to learn about the NAS, meet some staff, ask some questions, and figure out what your next step is. Forward happens the first three Sundays of every month, and we meet in person and online at 1030 in the morning, so between services, and you can learn more and join us at the naz.church slash forward. Forward kicks off again today, June 5th. All right, so school has ended. We're getting ready for VBS, which means summer hours are going to kick off here at the NAS for midweek beginning June 8th, Wednesday, June 8th. So make sure you check with your ministry leader if you haven't heard from them. Midweek summer hours start Wednesday, June 8th. will be 6.30 to 7.45 for groups and classes. All right, everyone, that's all we have for, for today. Let's go ahead and prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. In a couple weeks, we start Summer at the Movies. Yeah. So be ready for Summer at Movies at the Nats. It's coming again, so exciting stuff. Pa- uh, Pastor Karen, we have some lovely families up here. Can you tell us who's here? Yes, we do. We'll start right over here. And this is Tessa. No. It's on. Okay. We have Tessa. And she is going to be dedicating this beautiful little girl. And her name is London, and she is such a good friend of mine. Hey, London, you ready for this? Can you say hi to everybody? Thank you. I get a hug. Oh, that's so sweet. You're such a sweet little girl. Look back at that red camera and smile real big. See the red dot? There you go. There you go. Now everybody can see you. That's a good. Somebody take a photo of that. That's a good pose right there. We're so excited for you. This is awesome. <laughs> You can stop now. (laughs) Oh, next we have the Kerber family, and they are going to be dedicating Benjamin and Anna. Benjamin, how you doing, buddy? Looking sharp today. Like that shirt. Hey, Miss Anna, how are you? Stranger danger. I get it. I understand. So happy for you guys. It's an exciting moment for y'all. And here we have... The Buzzard family, and we will be dedicating Lewis, Jameson, Colton, and a little girl, and her name is Emerson. A rose among many thorns. Y'all can't see her, but she is beautiful. Sleeping here with Mama. We're so excited for you guys. Such an awesome moment. Well, as a church family, uh, you are involved in something that's been going on for millennia, really, not just centuries. Uh, In the Old Testament, uh, God commanded that the firstborn child belong to the Lord. And so children were brought to the Lord and dedicated to him, the firstborn son, typically. But we know that when Jesus was born, his mom and dad took him to the temple to Simeon to be dedicated. They continued that process. And as Christians, we know that all children belong to the Lord. They're his gifts to us. Uh, He's given them to us to raise. Um, It's kind of crazy if you can imagine giving your child to somebody else to raise, but God does that with us. He entrusts these children to you. So in a moment, the pastors that are behind you uh, will be praying with you, will be praying with your child, your daughter or your son. But I get to ask you questions that have been asked uh, for a very long time, and that is, will you do everything within your power to see that these little boys and girls are raised in the nurture and admonition of the faith, uh, that they will know the things of God, that their feet will carry them to and from church and the places where they can learn more about him. Will you see that they grow up in a home, not only where they know that mom and dad love each other, 
and that you love them, but that God loves them and cares about them. That if the time comes that you'll be ready and prepared to share Christ with them where they can receive Christ as their savior. If you will do these things, will you respond? We will. All right, now church family, I get to look at you and ask you these same questions because this is not just a covenant they're making with God. Uh, they're joining a part of a church family. And uh, you'll be surrogate aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas as these little kids are running around. Some of you may teach them in the nursery or in their small groups or I always say this, but God forbid you're a youth leader. You don't get to help them as they're growing up. Will you do everything in your power to make sure that the NAS is a place where these families get to raise their kids with a support network around them that loves them? that will pray for these kids, that will pray for these mom and dads. If you will be that kind of church, will you say, we will? We will. I'm going to ask you guys to turn around and uh, either let the pastor hold one of your children or just pray over them. And as a church family, I'm going to ask you just to extend your hands out as we dedicate these children to the Lord. Father, we come before you today and we just ask that your hands would be on these children. As these pastors are praying over them, Lord, we pray that you would guide and direct these moms and dads, that their homes would be a place of safety, that their homes would be a place of love, that their homes would be a place where your love fills the house. God, we pray that as they spend time reading the Bible together, they spend time praying together, that, Lord, each of these children would grow up knowing you. God, we pray for the, for the future wives and future husbands of these children that even now there'll be other families who are raising up their children to know you and love you and serve you. God, I pray that you'd be with us as a church, that you would help us to live out the, the confirmation of the call that we've just made, the covenant that we've made to pray with these families, to love them, to teach them so that these kids would, would know you. Father, we get, dedicate each of these children to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord for giving them to us and help us to be faithful and wise and loving stewards and family to them. All these things we ask and we pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we welcome all these kids to the family? If there's family in the house, would you stand? If you're, if you're family of, of some of these that are up here right now, we wanna welcome you. It's so good to have you guys here as well. All right, now as y'all head back down to your seats, there's another special group that we've got coming up right now, um, and that is our quizzers. Um, some of our youth Bible quizzers have been involved in a number of wonderful things here recently, and um, they're actually being escorted to the platform uh, by Ken Stoll and his wife, Elisa. And as they come up here, um, over the last few weeks, they've been involved in some district quizzes, uh, of which um, our team took first place. All right, way to go. And then they headed off to regionals, and at regionals, uh, you quiz a number of different ways as a church, but also with your district. And our church team in the region, which is Mount Vernon and all of the uh, all of Ohio, parts of all of West Virginia, parts of Pennsylvania, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, our church team took second place overall as a church. That's awesome news. And then Mr. Elijah Littman and Kennedy Pressler are going to be handed the trophy by Ken uh, because they were on the district team that took first place in the region. And so we're super proud of them. 
Some of you may know Elijah from watching him walking around with cameras on Sunday morning, and, and you may not recognize Kennedy because usually she's got a long tail and mouse ears because uh, she's in the church mouse praise house. So your little ones know Kennedy, but we want to thank you guys. And if you want to learn more about Bible quizzing, uh, one of the things uh, that Bible quizzing does is helps us to take God's word in um, so that it won't return void as it goes out. And so I'm going to tell that there's a table in the back that Ken and his wife will be at where uh, you can stop by and ask about Bible quizzing here on the district and here at the church and how you can get plugged in. We actually start down with the little kids who work all their way up. So we're grateful for all of you guys and all that you've done. Can we thank them again as they head down? Thanks so much, Ken. Appreciate that. We, uh, I Bible quizzed as a kid. Some of you have heard me tell the story. Um, Bible quizzing is something that's good as you take God's word in you. He's promised in the book of Isaiah that his word will not return void uh, until it's gone out and accomplished everything that it's set forth to do, um, even if you do it for the wrong reasons. Uh, my sister is here today, and as a kid growing up, my sister had already gone away to college, and the only way I could get free trips to see my sister was to make the Bible quiz team. So I would cram the last minute so I would make just enough to barely make the team so that I could go to Nashville and see my sister. And all these years later, there's times where stuff comes back to me because I was able to take God's word in. So help your kids learn God's word. This is another way to do that, moms and dads, as you continue to serve him. Um, we've got a great, interesting series starting this, this week. Uh, this summer, we're gonna be walking through the book of Exodus. So turn your eyes to the screen as we get prepared to hear God's word. Hey, NAS family, Pastor Dale here, uh, here at the Ark Experience, and uh, behind me is a replica of the Ark that Moses made all the children of Israel get on two by two before they had 40 days of rain uh, there in Egypt, and it rained blood for 40 days and 40 nights while they got on the Ark, before they had to carry the Ark through the desert, and the, the Red Sea split as they carried the Ark through it and they put the 10 stone tablets in there with each of the, you know, the, the 10 commandments on it. And then this is actually, they marched around it for seven days and the Jericho fell. So it was an awesome experience. We'll be talking about all this as we walk through the book of Exodus. So join us on Sundays over the next summer as we have fun at the Ark Experience. God bless you. Okay, some of you are laughing, and those of you that aren't laughing, just act like you know what I was talking about. I was joking. So actually, I was asked by the staff, since we're going to be doing Genesis starting in September, you're going to be at the Ark. Do a promo for the sermon series out of Genesis. There were so many people at the Ark experience when I was there with um, our guests that were here last week from Puerto Rico that you couldn't hear hardly what was going on. And so I just started spouting off. Melissa was holding the, the camera and I was talking. And the first take I did, I busted out laughing because our missionaries that were here with us as I was talking, she walked up and heard what I was saying and she was going, what in the world are you saying? So anyway, lots of fun. For those of you that don't know what was wrong with that, it was basically everything. And um, so just keep coming all summer long and you'll learn what was wrong as we walk through uh, the book of Exodus. That's going to be probably the most funny part of the message today. Um, it's a pretty serious uh, message we'll be dealing with. And I realize some of you aren't used to that, especially for me. I didn't realize um, how much I joke at times in the messages until we had uh, Michael Jr. here. This was a few years ago. He's a comedian, uh, but he has lots of truthful things he puts into his message, kind of gets you laughing and then hit you with some truth. And so when we got home, I asked my son, Liam, what'd you think? 
And uh, he, told, he told some people, he said, it's just, uh, yeah, he was good, but it's just kind of like the sermons at our church, Pastor John and Pastor David and Dad, they, they joke all the time. It's kind of, some of the comedy nights, kind of just come to church on Sunday. That's what it's like. And I thought, oh, that's not what I want to hear. Um, and then I walked in last week. There was a new family that's been coming to the church for a couple of months, and their son was interviewing and doing his testing um, to go to Grove City Christian School. And um, I walked through the door, and I'd, I'd only met them like once, I think, um, but I walked through the door, and the mom said to the little kid, oh, look, there's Funny Guy. <laughs> Great, that's what I'm known as, um, Pastor Funny Guy. Um, so if your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, open them to Exodus chapter 1, starting at the beginning, and through the summer, we'll be marching um, through this book of Exodus. It's an interesting book. There's lots of highs and lows in it. Um, it starts in Egypt. And so there in Egypt, what we, what we find is the people of Israel um, are stuck there, kind of. Uh, if you'll recall, back in the book of Genesis, uh, Pastor Bailey preached about this a few weeks ago. We have a man named Joseph, and Joseph uh, has dreams. God speaks to him. God moves through him. His life has lots of ups and downs. But the last piece that we find out about is he interpreted one of the Pharaoh's dreams that there would be seven years of, of great harvest followed by seven years of famine. So during the seven years of great harvest, they stored up grain, and Egypt was one of the few nations. They became uh, a world power because they had stored up enough grain that nations from all over had to come to Egypt to get grain, and it was all because of Joseph. So Joseph's family comes. Um, they're allowed to settle in a place called Goshen, which is one of the most... Um, uh, fertile places there in Egypt, and so they've got great land, awesome stuff. But we read as we open the book of, of Exodus, we read about all the different family members that are there, the children, grandchildren, all these things are born. And then we have this phrase that says, then there came a king, a Pharaoh, who didn't know who Joseph was. He had forgotten, and all he knew was there's a ton of these people that are around, and he needed to deal with them. He didn't want that many Israelites so before we get into the story a little bit deeper about this Pharaoh and about Moses, I've got to ask you uh, a question because I know some of you are coming to this story and you've already got pictures in your head of Moses and Pharaoh and who they look like. So guys, pop up the pictures there and I'm going to take a vote real quick. How many of you all, uh, the Ten Commandments, when you, when you hear the book of Exodus and you hear about Moses, you see Charlton Heston from Cecil B. DeMille's. Okay, there you go. Awesome, awesome. How many of you, when you hear about the book of Exodus, you think about the Prince of Egypt? Raise your hand. Oh, wow, we're about 50-50 old people and young people in here. Good deal. If you raised your hand for the first one, you're an old person. Just let that sink in. All right. So what I want you to think about a bit as we walk through here is as we walk through this book of Exodus, we're going to see lots of highs and lows. If you haven't seen either of those movies, don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. Uh, we'll walk on through over the next 13 weeks. We're going we're gonna to be filled with some crazy stuff. Um, infanticide, um, children being killed, murder, romance, natural phenomena, sorcery, theophany, miracles, arguments, betrayals, more miracles, disobedience, healings, punishment, restoration, all this in one summer. And so uh, we look forward to being with you. I've called this morning's uh, sermon a number of things over the last few weeks. Um, this morning, I'll just call it of baskets and staffs and tablets. Um, it looks like at the time of, of Moses, when he was a baby, uh, the Pharaoh was a guy by the name of Seti I, most likely the one that, that wanted to slay all the Israelite children. 
we find out that the children of Israel had grown too large. The Pharaoh got upset thinking if they grow too much larger, they can overthrow us and take over the country. So his solution is, let us wipe out all the male children so that they won't grow up to be able to have an army. So that's his command. He tells these two midwives, hey, uh, as the women are having their children, if it's a girl, let it live. If it's a boy, find out a way to kill it. Um, you all can make it act like it's a part of the pregnancy or whatever's going on. Just make sure that the children are killed and the boys don't live. Uh, but these two women didn't do that. They lied to the Pharaoh and they said, hey, uh, these women, they're really strong. These Israelite women are ro rather robust. And... Um, they have their kids really quick and we don't get there in time. So the baby's already born, so we can't act like it was killed in the birthing process. So rather than trying to do things subversively like he was trying to do, he just goes ahead and says, okay then, kill all the male children. Y'all need to kill the children. Yet there's a young family from the tribe of Levi who has a son. They keep him hidden for about three months till they can't keep him hidden anymore. And then the mom, takes a basket, little Moses basket. I'm sure it looked exactly like this. This is the one all three of my kids slept in and evidently the dog for a while because there's dog hair all in it. <laughs> but this basket was kind of like the one Moses was in except Moses's didn't have this nice fluffy thing inside of it. Moses's had pitch and tar to keep it floating in the water. So imagine with me, if you will, taking your child, three months old, putting them in a basket, covering, and telling your, your slightly older daughter, hey, go down to the river and put this basket in the river and let it float down and see what happens. Have you ever watched National Geographic movies about the Nile River? I mean, it's crocodiles. It's crazy stuff. I can't imagine putting a basket with my child in it to go down, nor can I imagine sending my daughter down to put the basket in the water, but that's, that's what happens. She goes down and ends up, Pharaoh's daughter comes down, sees the basket, takes the child, and uh, Miriam, Moses' sister, runs over and says, hey, would you like me to find a nursemaid for the baby? She says, that'd be great. So Moses' mom ends up nursing him. Moses goes back and lives with his family until he's old enough to be weaned and taken uh, to Pharaoh's court, where he receives the name Moisha, or Moses, we call it, which means to be lifted out of the water. Um, that's Moses' name. It's an interesting story. Over the last little bit of time, as I've looked at the children of Israel and the murders that were taking place there and the crazy stuff that was going on, um, I wonder, where, where is God in all of that? I know some of you have been asking the last few years, where is, where is God in all this crazy COVID stuff that's going on? It seems like he's off somewhere, not paying attention, doesn't know what's going on. And some of you have been very perplexed during that time. Uh, this, not much different in this story, except there, there are two moments in the story where we find God is present, God is moving. But if we don't look closely, we can miss it. A friend of mine gave me a book the other day called Preparing for the New World Order. It sounds exciting, doesn't it? What's the New World Order? So I ask him, what's, what's this about? Is it some Christian novel thing? He goes, no, no, no. It's on world powers and finance. The guy that wrote it isn't even a Christian. So, oh, okay. So he said, it's, it's basically, how do you, can you see in business what's coming along? I said, what's the bottom line of the book? And he said, learn Mandarin. You need to learn Chinese because they're about to take over. It's like, oh, that's exciting. And he said, here's my problem with the book. He said, it, it talks about cycles that go on in our world. And he talks about these three different 
huge world powers and how they rose to power and how they fell. How they rose to power and how they fell. And when he lays it out, it's just very pragmatic. This is what happens. And here's kind of where America is in that cycle. And here's where China is. And here's what's about to happen. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. He goes, no, here's my problem. So where is God in the midst of all of it? He said, it just seems like we're just caught in this cycle of the way things happen, of the way things go, and there's nothing really we can do to change it because it's just the way things are. So I thought, okay, I got to read this book. So I got the book, I read it, I listened to it, and sure enough, it's what it sounded like. There was lots of, um, lots of business principles that were in there, science that goes behind it, social sciences, all these sorts of things, and so it made sense. And so the question becomes, okay, where is God in the midst of these cycles that happen in life? Where is God in Israel in the midst of these stories with children being killed, with the crazy stuff that was happening. So we find uh, down in uh, chapter one, God shows up at one point and, and scripture tells us that God blesses these two midwives because they feared the Lord, they didn't kill the children, so God blesses them and they ended up having families of their own. Later on it says the people of Israel cry out to God and God hears them, and he answers their prayer. But it's also interesting, it says he looks down on them, like he's not there, he's off somewhere else, seeing what's going on, just kind of watching from a distance. You ever felt like God's there? He's off at the distance, looking down, and you're going, when are you gonna come? When are you gonna step in? When are you gonna do something? I need something to happen, I need something to happen now. Well, in the midst of all this, I was thinking all those things, I was reading all these things, and a couple weeks ago, um, as I was preparing the message, um, I was taught by one of my professors that when we got ready to prepare a sermon, we should have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Now, what they were meaning by that is, if I just tell you everything that happened back here, but I don't make it relevant to today, it's really not that helpful. If I don't look at today and say, what does scripture have to say about this? It's really not benefiting us any, right? So how do we take current events and things that are going on and look at scripture, and how do these things go together? So I was excited. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. I was pumped. I like it. There's lots of exciting things, cool stories. We'd kind of mapped out what's going to happen. Um, I get to start the series. I'm pretty pumped. And then I get where I actually read the first two chapters that I'm supposed to be preaching to you all on. And as I'm reading with the Bible in one hand and thinking about current events, I come to this passage where the Pharaoh is killing all these innocent children. And in the weeks that I've been watching that, I'm thinking about all the stuff going on in the news with Roe v. Wade and abortion, with the shootings at Uvalde and Buffalo and Tulsa, and all the things that are going on and the things I'm seeing on social media and different statistics on, on abortion, different statistics on guns and automatic weapons and all these things and where do we stand as Christians and what do we need to do so I started going and looking at statistics. And so I'm going to tell you today, I am not going to bore you with tons of statistics today, okay? So you can take a deep breath, then let it out and just relax, okay? I'm going to give you some statistics here, but you're not going to like how I give them to you. <laughs> this will be my fun. So here's some fast statistics from the CDC. These are deaths from the year... Um, 2020 or 2021, okay? Some of them I could find for 2020, some for 2021. These are different categories of how people were killed or how they died in the United States, okay? 
This first number, 696,962 people dead. 629,898 people dead. 602,350 people dead. 102,188 people dead. 100,103 people dead. 140,000 people dead. 42,060 people dead. 45,222 people dead. This next slide will tell you what those categories went with, but they're not in order. I've mixed them all up, so you won't know. This becomes your homework. This becomes fun. Some of those deaths were due to excessive alcohol use. Some of those deaths are because of gun-related deaths. Some of those are by abortion. Some of those are through heart disease. Some of those are from cancer. Some of those are from drug overdose. Some of those are from diabetes, and some of those through vehicular accidents. Now, why am I not telling you which one goes with which number? Um, I spent a little bit of time going through, and the CDC, which is where I got these stats, ranks these in order by how people died. So you can go out and find this on the CDC website, how people have died, what's going on with them, all those sorts of things. But as I looked at it, even the smallest category, it's down around 42,000 people. That's 42,000 people that are dead because of things we have, things we use, things we do. Ways, many of them, most of them, things that could be prevented. Some of them through gun control. Some of them through changing your diet. Some of them through not drinking so much. There are moments where we will pick certain ones of these and say, we need to attack this thing. This is a problem. And we'll go at it with all we can or we'll at least post something on social media because right, that fixes the world. Let's post about it on social media. If I throw you some really cool stats on social media, I can change your mind, right? How many of y'all have ever had your mind changed because of something you read on social media? All three of you, good, good. How do we, as believers, begin to look at God's call on our lives to love a world? We say we love life. We say we're pro-life. What's that mean and what does that look like? If we're gonna say that abortion is an issue where we need to be pro-life, then some of these other issues that we've just talked about need to also be put in the same category and talked about. Amen. Yet at times we get frustrated with things that may engage my personal um, beliefs, things that may engage my personal rights, uh, things that I think I need to stand on. And scripture, I think, wants to look at us and say, if we believe in life, then we believe in life. And how do we live in such a way that we reflect that? I'm gonna read you a stance. Um, the Church of the Nazarene has, I've avoided this for a long time, reading this out loud um, to you all, but I'm gonna read it out of um, um, the Manual of the Church of the Nazarene. Um, for those of you that wonder what in the world that is, I have my devotions in it every day. It's a joke, for those of you that don't know. Um, but this is, this is in a section in our manual that's called The Sanctity of Life. 
How do we look at the sanctity of life? And then there's a section on induced abortion that says this. The Church of the Nazarene affirms the sanctity of human life as established by God, the Creator, and believes that such sanctity extends to the child not yet born. Life is a gift from God. All human life, including life developing in the womb, is created by God in His image and is, therefore, to be nurtured, supported, and protected. From the moment of conception, a child is a human being with all of the developing characteristics of human life, and this life is dependent on the mother for its continued development. Therefore, we believe that human life must be respected and protected from the moment of conception. We oppose induced abortion by any means when used for either personal convenience or population control. We oppose laws that allow abortion as such. Realizing that there are rare but real medical conditions wherein the mother or the unborn child or both could not survive the pregnancy, termination of the pregnancy should only be made after sound medical and Christian counseling. What is that saying? That's our way of saying we are pro-life with caveats. We live in a world where we are smarter no, we're not. We think we're smarter than we really are. We have the abilities to do things and see things that people have not been able to do or see for centuries. I sit in hospital rooms every year with families who have been forced to make a decision on whether or not to pull the plug on their loved one to determine whether or not they will continue to live or die. Now, for many of you, you're already thinking, well, if they're on life support, are they really alive? What's the quality of life? What are they going to have? How's it going to be? Those are difficult questions. They're not answered very easily. Probably 70 years ago, there was no ability to keep someone alive on life support. They would just die. But now we've got technology that enables us to keep people alive, that enables us to keep bodily organs functioning. And so now we put that decision in the hands of family members who never asked for it and say, okay, now it's your decision. You get to decide what to do. It's not fair. It's not right. But part of it's what we ask for. As we seek more and more knowledge, as we learn more and more, as science begins to show us more things, the same thing is true as we look at conjoined twins that people need to separate knowing that one of them may die. The same thing happens as we look at a mother and a child and begin to say, okay, what needs to happen here? What's going to happen? Can doctors make decisions based on the life of that patient or not? I sat this week with another family who it's time to determine with their cancer, do I have surgery? Knowing that most likely the surgery will kill me. Or do I go ahead and live out the next few months that I have as best I can? Which one do I do? Do I go on the table and perhaps die? Or do I keep living and hope that God may touch me and I may be healed and I may live? These are not easy questions. They don't have easy answers. So don't pretend to know what your friends are going through when they have tough decisions and tough things that are looking them in the face to figure out what in the world they're gonna do. I've sat with friends who have looked and the doctor has said, if you try to carry this child, you will die. 
and they've decided that they, they're not gonna carry the pregnancy out. I've sat with friends who decided, no, we're gonna trust the Lord, we're gonna try and have the baby, and the mother has died. I've been with friends who have done the opposite and the child has lived with deformities and other issues. How do we decide? What our manual says is we pray, we seek wise medical advice, seek Christian counseling, and we move forward. What we say when we oppose abortion, those of us that would say we oppose it, is we oppose abortion that is induced because of population control or I just didn't mean to get pregnant. My boyfriend and I were having sex outside of marriage. We got pregnant. We don't want this kid. We need to get rid of it. It's going to mess up our life. That's when we're saying, no, you should have thought about that earlier. That is not a means to the end that you're looking for. That is not what God desires of us. The same thing is true as we look at gun control, as we look at trying to take care of those that are around us, if we look at lives that are being taken, what can we do, you and me, as individuals, as a nation, to try and fix some of these problems? You see, we look at this issue in Exodus, and it's easy to point the finger at Pharaoh, because Pharaoh says, wipe all the kids out. Bad guy, Pharaoh's a bad dude. These midwives, great people, they saved the children. It's a little more difficult when we live in a nation that's a republic where you and I get to vote on the laws, where you and I get to live out what that looks like in reality for people. I wish I could tell you, this is the answer. Just live by the Ten Commandments. Let's follow the law. If we follow the law, everything will be okay. Don't hear me saying I'm against the law. I think the law is very important. But Paul tells us in Romans 7, the law is good, but what the law does is point out in you and me that we are sinners. You know this little boy, Moses? There's an interesting story in chapter 2. This little boy, Moses, that was saved, goes back, lives in the palace, and one day he goes out to visit his people and sees one of them being beaten by one of the Egyptian guards. He didn't, in a fit of rage, just go and defend this guy. He waited, premeditated, waited until the guard was alone and he thought nobody was watching. And he went and killed the guy. He committed murder. Isn't this a great book? This is an exciting book. Aren't you glad you your kids are in children's church? Moses goes and kills the guy. Premeditated, does this. Yet, God comes to Moses later and calls him and says, I'm going to use you to free my people. Does that justify what Moses did? No, it doesn't. But I think it points to something. The law that Moses would receive a few years later doesn't save you and me. Paul says the law points out how much of sinners we are. The law points out that you and I are fallen creatures, that you and I have a propensity to do things that aren't right, that aren't good. I read you the manual statement from the Church of the Nazarene. I think it's a good stance that we have. I believe in that stance. What I struggle with is sometimes we as believers have great positions on issues, 
but a horrible posture on those issues. A few weeks ago, one of my friends was talking with me about these issues. And he said, hey, um, the position is important, but more important than the position is how you posture yourself. Are you posturing yourself in love towards those that you're talking to? Are you demonstrating the love of Christ as you speak to them? In trying to save the life of a baby, are you trying to show love for that child and showing hate for those around him? How do we demonstrate love in the midst of everything that's going on in our world right now? That's the question that sits before you and me. See, as we read this passage, I'm going to go back and read you these two specific passages in Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2. Um, Exodus 1.20 says, God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Exodus 2.23-25 says, Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant to promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down, listen to this language, he looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Folks, I'm afraid at times... We live in a world where we feel like we've been left down here just to let things play themselves out and do the best we can. And God sits up on his throne in heaven, looking down on us, waiting to see what we're going to do, good or bad. And every once in a while, he steps in and makes something happen. That's, that's kind of the picture we could see here in the book of Exodus. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is a day where we celebrate the birth of the church, that after Christ's death, and resurrection and ascension to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us and among us, to make us a different kind of people. On this day, um, thousands of years ago, Peter preaches, 9 a.m. in the morning, he's out preaching. He and all the apostles, everyone, all 120 that were in the upper room, they're preaching and people are hearing it in all different languages and people begin to think, these people are drunk, this is horrible. Peter says, we're not drunk. And he says this, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to them, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a very long time, strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Here in a week or so, you can hear a story about Moses at a burning bush with a staff in his hand. And God comes to this man who as a child was saved from death threats from the Pharaoh. 
you'll come to this very same man who killed an Egyptian because he was ticked off at him. And God comes to him out in a strange land, out in the desert, and says to him, I'm going to use you to free my people. Moses goes, but what, what are you going to do? How are you going to do this? I can't go before the Pharaoh. And God says, what's in your hand? Moses says, a staff. And through the staff, God begins to do miracles through Moses. God uses baskets to save us through water. God uses the law to point us in the right direction. God can use what's in your hand to do mighty things in and through you if you will but let him. And sometimes you might have to take what's in your hand and throw it on the ground and let him use it. We live in a country where we're not run by a pharaoh. While our president has powers and senators have powers, the power in this nation comes from you and me. You hear all the time, be the change you want to see in the world. All these people that are doing all this crazy stuff, they just need Jesus. That's the answer. And I, I, don't, I don't want to downplay that and say that's not true. But what I want to say to you today is, what the world needs to see is that God is not up somewhere looking down on what's going on, but that God has chosen to say, I'm going to fill my people with my spirit so that the love that I have, so that the desire that I have to reconcile them to me, so that the hope that they can have, they can see it in the lives of those that I've created in my image. You have been created in God's image. All these little kids that were up here, boys and girls, are created in God's image. Those who are about to be baptized are going to be renewed in new life. They'll go into the water as one type of person. They'll come up raised to new life. That's the glorious hope that God has given you and me. We have the option of living differently than the people of Israel. We have the option of living differently than Pharaoh. We have the option of living differently than those in the world, not because God's way up there and he's gonna choose to come down and do something among us, but because God has already come down and chosen to live among us and in us and through us. So how are you and I gonna live differently, allowing him to do that in and through us? It doesn't matter if you have the right position if it's not lived out in love. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Most of y'all hear it at weddings. It's a beautiful thing. It says, you know, if I, if I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, I'm nothing. But a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I give all my riches to the poor and give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I have nothing. See, all of our postures, all of our positions, all of these things mean nothing if they're not done in love. Amen. The book of Exodus, we're going to see some really crazy things. We're going to see some things that look a little interesting, a little scary. But above all, we're going to see a God who loves his people and wants to save them. And he wants to do the same thing in and through you and me through the power of his Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads? Gracious Father, I thank you for the men and women that are here right now. God, I pray that you'd be with those who um, are preparing to be baptized. God, I pray that you'd be with someone who's sitting here right now. Who, Lord, they're struggling. They're looking at our world. They love you. But Lord, they don't love Christians right now in the way we're acting about some things. God, I pray that you'd be with 
the one who's sitting here today who may be struggling for things that they've done, for sins that they've committed. God, I pray that through this story of Moses, people understand you can even use murderers. You can bring them back to you. That if we obey and submit and ask for your forgiveness, that Lord, you can change us and transform us and make us in your image. God, the world we live in is complex and difficult and hard to understand. Some of us try to make it really easy. But God, we know as each circumstance touches our lives, things get a little more difficult. So God, help us to live in this world with your love and help us to be not of this world. I pray that you'd be with my brother or sister today who feels like they can't be forgiven, who feels like they can't be a part of your community that, Lord, right now they would just ask for your forgiveness, that they would see your arms extended to them to welcome them into your family, and that they would begin that long journey of obedience in the same direction, allowing you to change them and conform them to your image. Finally, God, I pray that you'd be with those of us that are believers, that you would help us to continue along that road of transformation and change through the renewing of our minds, that you would conform us to your image. God, I pray that you would help us to have the right positions. We don't want to do things that are contrary to your will. But God, I pray that you would help us to hold those positions in such a way that our posture towards the world is loving and gracious and merciful. For you have told us, blessed are the merciful for they too will be shown mercy. All these things, Father, we ask and we pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen. There's some people that have hopped up on the platform here behind me. Uh, they're ready to get baptized. Y'all ready to get baptized? Y'all are a lot younger than the first service. There's a lot of old people in that one. This is pretty exciting. We're pumped. Pastor David, tell us who's getting baptized. All right, excellent. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, isn't this a great day uh, today? Can we thank our pastor for the wonderful word this morning? We're going to celebrate new life this morning as uh, our friends up here take the step of baptism. I want to give you a couple quick instructions. You see, uh, the first thing is, um, over here you'll notice our baptismal. And if you know one of these candidates, maybe uh, you're a family member, friend, or you've done ministry with them or ministered to them, we're going to invite you when the baptisms begin uh, to go join them over there at the end of the tank to be sure to get out there and give them a hug when they get out of the tank. We want this to be really personal, surrounded by their family and friends. And so we're going to invite you to join us there when baptisms start. The other thing could be that maybe while we're doing this or maybe during the message, you felt called to take that step. Uh, we want to open it up here in just a little bit for you to take that step. So if that's you and once baptisms start, I'll be down front. Why don't you come talk to me and we'll do our best to try to get you baptized as well. Well, Pastor Brittany, we have some friends here. Will you uh, share their testimony? Thank you. We do. We have a lot of friends here. We're super excited about this and um, we're joining their family and rejoicing with the angels in heaven today. So this is our friend Joshua. And his testimony reads, my name is Joshua Clark. I am 10 years old. I want to be baptized because I want to be reborn. I am so glad that the angels will party in heaven because of me getting baptized today. I love Jesus. 
This is my friend Matthew. His testimony reads, My name is Matthew, and I want to get baptized because everyone sins, and I want all my sins forgiven. This is my friend Natalie. She's so small, I don't know if you can see her. Her testimony reads, my name is Natalie. I am seven years old. I know the angels are having a party in heaven for my decision to get baptized and follow Jesus. I love Jesus. This is my friend Kalise and her testimony reads, my name is Kalise Davis. I have been a Christian my whole life. I am 10 years old and I want to be baptized because it will please God. I know that the angels in heaven will be rejoicing for me and my decision. God will purify me and love me since I am his child. This is my friend Ramses and his testimony reads, my life before Jesus was pretty lonely. But one day, my mom allowed me to come to church where I met Jesus, and I felt different. Every time I come to church, I feel like I'm with my family. And now every single day, I wake up and feel so excited to meet my friends at church, my family, and go and learn more about Jesus. For this reason, I am happy to accept being baptized in Jesus' name. And this is my friend Kenneth, and Kenneth's testimony reads, Kenneth has had a passion for God ever since he could walk. With having special needs, Kenneth has learned and leaned into Christ as his rock and comfort. Last summer, he got the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he desires to continue to pursue a greater relationship with God. This is Jennifer. She says, I was born and raised in the Roman Catholic Church and baptized as a baby. Things happened in life and I drifted away. It's been well over a decade since I spoke to God. But I believe it was God who brought me back to the church. It wasn't that I spoke to him and I didn't hear him say something. He spoke to me through my oldest son, who allowed me to remember that I enjoyed being part of a church. I heard him through my friend Kathy who helped me become a better person. I heard him through my husband who pushed me to better my health. And I heard them through friends who needed, motivated, and who motivated me. I've seen, felt, and heard him in this community. I've enjoyed my time at this church for the past year. I feel and know that God has chosen this path for me, and I look forward to following
rehearsal, Lord. Uh, one of the great things as you leave, don't forget the quizzes are back there. But as we've talked about some of these other things, Pregnancy Decision Health Center is back there. I forgot to mention that to y'all. And one of the reasons uh, we talk about this is not just the kids that we dedicated today or the people that were baptized in a new life today. Uh, but if you look up at the screens, uh, there's another little girl who was born about 648 yesterday evening here in Columbus. There she is, Miss Ellie Mae Alshire. It's my hope and it's my prayer that in the coming years, you'll see Ellie Mae up here. It's her parents dedicate her to the Lord. One day we'll get to see Ellie Mae baptized. Let's pray that God will help us to be the kind of church and the kind of place where she grows up, not only knowing the things of the Lord, but we make such a change in our world that she doesn't have to worry about going to school. She doesn't have to worry about what might happen that day, that moms and dads won't have to worry about that, that through our love, through our mercy, and through our grace of reaching out, God uh, can make a difference in the world in and through us so that others can be marched out of Egypt. Is that good news? Let's do that. Let's do that, Nass family. Pastor David, come and close us out. Today's been a good day, hasn't it, church? Yeah, a lot to celebrate. And uh, I want to celebrate one more thing today. You see, a little bit ago, our pastor was praying, and he invited some of you, whether you're watching online or in your, this room right now, to take a step to follow Jesus. We believe that's the greatest decision that you're ever going to make. And so if you made that step today, if you made the decision to follow Jesus, if you're watching online, click the button that says, I said yes. Or if you're in the room, come see one of us here at the front or go to one of the new here stations in the lobby because we have a Bible that we'd love to give you uh, a, a gift for you as you begin your relationship with Jesus. I was going to make a joke and uh, tell you we have uh, some tablets for you. Uh, some Ten Commands, I'm just kidding. But, hey, if you made that decision, we want to celebrate with you. Church, can we take a moment and celebrate everyone that took that step today out of death, into life, into relationship with Jesus, the greatest decision that they're ever going to make, right, because we believe a relationship with Jesus is really personal, but it's not intended to be private. So tell someone about the step that you've taken today. So yeah, we celebrate that. A lot of exciting things coming up this Wednesday. I want to tell you about a class we have coming up called Beyond the Wardrobe, Wrestling with C.S. Lewis and Other Christian Thinkers. It's going to be at 6.30 in the bonus room, formerly known as the bookstore. So if you're looking for something on a Wednesday night, be sure to come check that out. Our very own Pastor Dale is going to be helping lead that, and I'm going to help him as well. So I'm going to invite you to be a part of that. Before you leave today, our ushers are going to be at the back door with the offering buckets if you didn't get a chance to give. But I do want to bless you before we go. Go ahead and put your hands out like this. And this is simply like our pastor is talking about posturing ourselves a little bit, right? We posture ourselves before the Lord because we believe that God loves his kids and has good gifts for them. And God has a blessing and a gift for you. So may the Lord bless and keep you. May he fill your heart with encouragement as you witness new life and transformation today. But may he not only give you encouragement, may he continue to transform you as you take this message of hope and life out into the world. That the same spirit of God that came at Pentecost and the same spirit of God that was with baby Moses in the river would live in you and work through you. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be blessed, church. We love you guys. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord. All right, everyone. Well, it has been quite a Sunday. What an awesome service, just full of celebration and people taking their next step and changing their lives through relationship with Jesus. And so if you said yes, let us know so we can connect with you and celebrate that awesome commitment that you have taken to have a relationship and to walk with Jesus. It's really simple. All you have to do is text, I said yes, all one word, text us at 614-532-4842. Again, I said yes, all one word, 614-532-4842. And actually you can also let us know that you said yes on the app. So make sure you do that. And maybe this message spoke to you personally and you made that commitment, but maybe someone came to mind that you think would benefit from hearing this message. Let them know, share the message with them, share the good news and hope that can be found in this relationship and walking with Christ. Um, Tag them in the comments if you're on Facebook, share the YouTube link with them, whatever that looks like, share it because there is power in, in that when you are sharing it with others. Um, thank you again for joining us. We love you guys. Remember, we are here for you and we are there for you and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at the naz.church.